Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Work Hard to Tire Early podcast. As always, I am your host, Joseph Hathaway. And today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Mr. Craig West. Craig is a strategic accountant with more than 25 years of experience in advising business owners on employee incentives, succession planning, asset protection, and exit strategies. His firm, Succession Plus, is the largest succession and exit planning firm in Australia. And just as a quick shout out milestone for us, Craig is uh, our first non-North American guest to bring on. So how are you doing today, Craig? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm great. Thank you. So just go ahead and, you know, kick it off. What can you tell us about uh, your company and what you do for work? Yeah, my background's in accounting. So I had a lot of clients that were in business, mainly baby boomers who were all approaching retirement and had absolutely no idea what to do had no idea about what their business was worth, how they could get out of it, what they could do with it, whether they could sell it, whether their kids wanted to, to, to run the family business or some other kind of exit strategy. So as an accountant, I sort of stopped worrying too much about the accounting and tax side and started looking at the exit strategy side. Um, I came over to the States, did some work with the Exit Planning Institute, became a qualified certified exit planning advisor, and really started to develop a methodology around what business owners need to do to maximize the value of their business and successfully get out. And that's that's sort of been a you know 15-year journey. Um, we've now got a very highly developed methodology and process that we use with every client's Uh, We've worked with about 700 clients over the last 10 years to help them to get ready to retire. And the method that we use, we've now turned into a software product called Capitalize that other advisors can use all around the world to help their clients get ready to exit. It's actually really cool. We're probably going to touch on Capitalize in a minute now that you mentioned that. Sure. I guess, you know, just again, going down my question list here, um, when You were thinking of getting into this industry. Was this more of a passion project for you or did you see an untapped market? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I saw a large market of baby boomers heading towards retirement. And obviously that's, you know, that's smart from a business point of view to get towards large markets, rising tide lifts all boats, as we say. So, you know, it's smart to be in that area, but it did become very quickly a passion project. When I was an accountant, I helped one of my clients exit. He sold his business for, you know, nearly $10 million more than what we thought we would sell it for. And he used a lot of that money to donate to charity, to help other businesses, to invest in smaller projects. Um, And I just thought, you know, if I can help more and more people do that, imagine the multiplier effect. If every one of my clients not necessarily got an extra 10 million, maybe they only got an extra 500,000, but the effect of that guy donating money and sponsoring charities and, you know, working with other small businesses had a really strong multiplier effect. So my view now and my very strong vision is if I can help as many people as possible successfully exit their business, the multiplier effect of that is massive. I hear you on that. And definitely every penny counts, no doubt there. Don't want to leave anything on the table, especially when there's so many charitable resources out there. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, going into that, when you sit down with a client about, you know, succession planning and selling their business, what would you say the steps or the stages you walk them through would be? Yeah, we've basically got a 21-step process, but there's five key stages to that. And the first place with any kind of project with that is really to identify what they've got. We're talking, we're always talking about value. What's the business worth? What's the key value drivers? You know, how do you make it worth more? 
identifying where they start from is actually a challenge for a lot of business owners. Most of them don't know what their business is worth. Most of them don't know how saleable it might be or how attractive it might be to a buyer. And funnily enough, it's also not just about the business. It's about them and their personal financial position. It's about their family situation. You know, what are they going to do after they sell the business? So stage one is just identifying what you've got and where you're at. Stage two then is really stopping, pressing the pause button and protecting that asset, making sure it's protected properly, make sure the right legal agreements are in place, insurances are in place, structures are in place to protect the asset. Then the exciting one, which is maximising the value. How do we work with that business and take it from, let's say we valued it today at $4 million, how do we turn it into $6 million over the next few years? Lastly, how do we unlock that value? How do we actually get it out? whether that's selling it, whether it's an employee share plan, whether it's passing it on to your kids, IPO, private equity, there's a whole stack of different options to exit, but how do we actually make that happen? Because most business owners are very inexperienced at that part. And then lastly, how do we manage that wealth after it's created? Once we've created it, once we sell the business and we get a check for $6 million, where do we put it? How do we look after it? How do we invest it? How do we make sure we don't lose it? Because as a baby boomer retiree, you probably don't have the opportunity to go and order, you know, go and earn another six million dollars again. That's the last six million dollars you're going to earn, so you got to look after it. Amen to that. I mean, once you've done it once, do you even want to do it again? I think becomes the question hmm. as well. <laughs> Absolutely right. And those are you know the same steps that you said. Capitalize, correct? Yes. Yeah, so basically. Yeah, what we've done with Capitalize is um, it became a very, you know, it's a very specialised area. There's lots of expertise because we cover off on accounting, tax, legal, financial planning, marketing, corporate governance, you know, structures, asset protection. Now, we're not experts at all of that, but you have to be across all of that to successfully get your client through those 21 steps. What became very obvious was most advisors, whether they're accountants, CPAs, lawyers and attorneys, financial advisors, wealth, et cetera, they don't have all of that expertise. So what we did was build all of the tools and templates and checklists that we use in our own business into Capitalize so that as an advisor, you can go into the software, you can produce the reports that you need to tell the client what their business is worth and what they need to do. And then there's a whole stack of steps, the same 21 steps we use here. We just walk through that process so that at the end of sort of 18 months to two years, the client should be exit or sale ready. The business has reduced risk. They know where they're going financially and they're ready to to take that next step towards retirement. That's a surprisingly fast turnaround. You know, even within two years, impressive. Yeah. In an ideal world, clients sort of take 18 months to two years. I have had some clients that take three to four years, either because they wanted to um, extend the value of the business. So instead of going from four to six, they want to go from four to 10. Now that takes longer, clearly. It doesn't matter how good you are, that's going to take time. But also sometimes, occasionally we meet business owners who really have a bit of a mess. I actually told one of my clients last week, you know, you're doing really well. You're making money despite your very best efforts. Everything in the business was a bit chaotic. It was all dependent on them. There's no structure and discipline and systems. So sometimes that takes a bit longer to put in place. And sometimes, funnily enough, it's nothing to do with the business or the money. It's actually just a timeline. You know, I want to retire when I'm 65 or I've got a client recently wanted to retire when his daughter got married and moved out of home not connected at all to the business, but just a trigger for him that sort of guided when his retirement was going to be. So we just have to make sure the timeline matches the ideal business owner outcome, you know, when, how much, why, 
then we make sure the timeline matches. I like that you touch on that, that, you know, for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, the home life and the business life are highly connected or one and the same. Yeah, always. I mean, you know, most people, certainly most of our clients, all our clients are privately owned businesses, lots of them family owned businesses. And when you've got mum and dad or mum and the son or daughter working in a business, it's very hard to come home. And that's the end of the workday. You know, you often see people having dinner, they're talking about the business. They sit down after dinner, they're still talking about the business. So separating all of that's quite a challenge. And it's actually quite a challenge as well emotionally for the founder or the owner. You know, to separate them from the business is actually quite an emotional psychology process, not accounting and tax issue. It's really, you know, I've built this business up over the last 20 years. It's mine. I own it. It's it's me. I'm the key guy or girl. And therefore, taking that separation is quite a difficult step for some people. Understandably so. And uh, I guess moving on to that, of course, getting over this interview, I read a lot of the blog on your firm's website. And one thing you seem to speak very highly about is ESOP plans, which are not very often seen over here in the U.S. Could you talk about that as an employee benefit at all? Yeah, look, I think there's two key things that we've seen. We've certainly seen a big increase in employee share plan um, implementation here in Australia since the start of COVID. But even over the last 10 years, it's been gradually increasing anyway. And I think that's for two key reasons. I think employees generally now are looking for more than just a nine to five job with a salary or an hourly rate or an earning. They want to be involved. They want to be engaged. They want to participate in the in the company itself, the decision making. But also they see and we read now a lot of information about entrepreneurs that have been very successful. Every day there's a new story comes out about Richard Branson, Elon Musk, you know, somebody that's done very, very well. And I think employees now look at that and say, well, geez, I wouldn't mind being, I wouldn't mind having a part of that. And employee share plans can do that. The other side of it though, is it's a very tight labor market. Certainly here in Australia, it's very difficult to get employees in professional services and anything to do with civil engineering and construction is a very tight labor market. Therefore, employers are actually looking at different ways to attract and engage and motivate their key people. Giving them equity in the business is probably one of the best ways to actually achieve that outcome and lock people in for the longer term. Um, Employee turnover is very expensive. It costs a lot of money. It's quite disruptive. So if you can lock in key people or make sure staff stay with you for a longer period of time, overall, the business will be better off, more productive, probably more profitable as well. So the ESOP area has certainly grown. Um, I've just completed a doctoral thesis on using employee share plans for succession planning. So the academic sort of research is very strongly in favour of using these plans. But the reality is there's a lack of awareness and understanding and education around how they work, why they work, and what needs to be done to make them uh, make them work more effectively. So I'm certainly keen to get uh, involved with more of those. We've got quite a few of them set up now in Australia. They're running quite well. The government's constantly looking at fine-tuning and improving the ESOP legislation to make it a bit more tax effective or a bit easier to do. I know you've got exactly the same thing happening. I think Congress passed some new ESOP laws as recently as the last couple of weeks. So they're constantly looking at improving and refining the methodology as well. And personally, in my own experience, I I think you've hit the nail on the head with employees are looking for more than just a paycheck if they're giving so much time to their nine to five. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at, I'm not sure the demographics in the United States, but I'm fairly confident it's very similar. We've had a lot of people who, because they've had to work from home or been in isolation or whatever it might be during COVID, have really had a good question around what am I doing this for and why am I working nine to five and why do I commute an hour and a half every morning and night to get to and from the office when I could actually do it something a bit different. So that's where people are sort of looking at it. And I think if you can use an employee share plan to do that, in the United States, the tax concessions are much more favourable than what they are here in Australia. So it is possible in the States to sell your business to an employee share plan, basically tax-free, if you meet certain conditions. You can't quite do that here, but it's certainly a new trend. You know, people are talking about sea change and tree change and people moving to the beach or the country or... You know, that's that's a big thing, but I think also people are changing the way that they work. People are working three or four days a week instead of five or six. People are changing their working hours. They're working from home. If they've got to be home during COVID lockdowns or isolation or any of the other things that have been happening, um, that changes focus, I think. And so employee share plans have got a role to play in that part as well. I think also from the other side completely, most employers that are entrepreneurs that are baby boomers have done fairly well. They're fairly wealthy. And so there's quite a change in sort of trend. A lot of our clients are not so focused on maximum dollars. I need $10 million to sell to retire. They're probably already reasonably well off and they're probably already ready to retire. What they do want to do is share some of that wealth and benefit with the key people that help them get there. So there's a bit of a change around legacy and stewardship type exit options where people are saying, well, I'm happy to get X million dollars to sell my business. But I'm also happy if these five key people who worked with me for the last 10 years to get me there, share some of the benefit as well, which I think is a good thing for everybody. Oh yeah. Take care of the people around you. Uh, Everyone appreciates everyone wins in the long run, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And then just another question, the similar vein, you know, let's say you had a, an employee incentive, you had a new entrepreneur right now who was looking to hire for the first time what would you say they should offer to new employees to prevent turnover incentive wise outside of maybe an ESOP plan? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's a changing um, focus now around remuneration. I mean, it used to just be that there's an income model, either it's an hourly rate or a fixed wage or salary. And that's okay. It's been around for many hundreds of years. It works, right? But I think what people are looking for now is over and above that. What else What else can we offer in terms of incentives? Is there a more tax-effective way to pay people? Can we offer changing working hours? You know, flexibility, working from home, starting late, finishing early, those types of things are much more attractive now to employees. And I think there's a bit of research around. We've got a client here, you know, who has a five-hour workday, So instead of employees being in the office nine to five, they're in the office, you know, 10 to three, it's five hours, but they don't do anything else except work in that that period. They've found an improvement in productivity. And I think employees are quite happy to, to be a bit flexible, change that kind of approach. In terms of actual remuneration and financial reward, I think ESOPs are probably one opportunity. You know, businesses have always used commissions and bonuses and tips and, you know, top-ups, if you like, additional income that you can earn based on performance, and they're okay. But the research against them is fairly strong as well, that, you know, they start to become an expectation and a norm, and as soon as it goes away or changes, for example, during COVID, it becomes then a big, big issue. So I think you've got to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more open to what people actually want. I think one of the most obvious things is to talk to employees about what they're after. Not all of them are after additional money. 
Some of them are happy to earn a little bit less money, but only work four days a week, for example, so they can go to the country property on the weekend or, you know, look after their kid who isn't at school at the moment or whatever it might be. People have got all sorts of different motivations. I think the smartest thing to do is ask them what they're after and how can you help deliver that because then you really do engender a lot of loyalty. I hear you on that. Everyone's definitely different and has different priorities and the best thing we can do is conform to them, give them a, Good work environment. Absolutely. And then uh, my last line of question today is just about your experience as an entrepreneur with Succession Plus, breaking into, I guess what I'm going to refer to as an unusual market for most of our listeners. Did you have trouble finding clients at first or did it come pretty easily? Um, Look, I think it's always a big barrier for entrepreneurs. You know, how do you find more clients? How do you grow your business? How do you get new leads? What do you do on, you know, it's such a complicated area now with, you know, online, digital marketing, CRM, Google Analytics, social media. I mean, all of that stuff's much more complicated. You know, when I started an accounting firm 25 years ago, none of that was an issue. There was no such thing as any of that stuff. And it was all network and referral. You know, you'd go and play golf with someone or you knew someone from the rugby club or you you know, you had all these connections that referred your work. That's no longer, I mean, that hasn't changed. It's still there, but I think it's different now. It's a different marketplace. So like any entrepreneur, you know, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. Um, it's hard work at the start. You know, I didn't earn the sort of money I should have been earning. Often questioned, geez, do I really want to do this? Have I really done the right thing here? You know, have I completely gone mad? Um, but over time, I think it's about perseverance, structure and discipline. You just have to keep doing the things that work. You have to keep, hold the nerve, keep doing it, have a disciplined, structured approach to activity and what you do day in, day out. So many people give up just before they're going to be successful. You know, they've tried it three times. Had they tried it four or five, they may be well have, they may well have broken through. So I think it is in small business, you know, it's tough. COVID's been tough everywhere around the world. It's been a difficult time depending on what industry you're in and how that worked for you, but it's a difficult period. So I think it's about perseverance, structure and discipline. Amen to that 100%. Got to keep pushing, keep working, keep getting up after you push down. My last couple of questions for you today, Craig, where can we find you online? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, Craig West, have a look there, but certainly our website has a massive amount of resources, um, all of it free. So there's webinars and blog posts and videos and podcast episodes, all sorts of things. So that's just uh, www.succession.plus uh, and that'll take you wherever you are in the world. There's there's different uh, resources and so on, depending on where you're based. So certainly have a look there. Happy to connect with people. If I can help someone get started uh, or work through with their business, very happy to be involved and help. And I'll definitely to make sure to post those links down in the show notes below. And then I guess just what's next for Craig West? Yeah, look, I've got to practice what I preach. I'm only, I'm in my early fifties. So I tell people all the time that you should have an exit strategy in your business from the day you start. So I'm actually starting to think about what that looks like to me. I'm not ready to retire yet. I'd be very bored and dangerous if I retired. Um, So I'm certainly not going to do that yet, but I am starting to think about what I do, capitalise and taking the intellectual property that I've developed at Succession Plus here in Australia internationally is actually really exciting for me. I think the more people that can access that methodology, that can use those tools to help others successfully exit, that's a pretty cool outcome from my point of view, both from a, you know, there is a commercial outcome attached to that, but it's also, I think, important, you know, that, that 
We've got a methodology that works. We've used it with hundreds of clients. The more people that get access to it, the better. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And that includes some travel uh, this year, including speaking at a couple of conferences in the United States in May of this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then I'm sure I'll find something interesting and useful to spend some time on and come up with something else. I hear you there. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. We loved having you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.